Hello everyone and a very warm welcome to Red Risks Media to my new show, Question Time. Now, my guest today is Malcolm Staves, who is the Vice President for Health and Safety for L'Oreal. And Malk is actually uh, in the middle of a ROSPA award. So he has assured me he will hot foot it over here and get on this uh, show with me. Uh, it was very difficult to get Mal down to a time, and I hope he can make it for this one. Now, I just want to say a few shout outs while we're waiting for Malk. And I just want to say, Simon, lovely to see you. Caleb, I haven't spoken to you for a while. Catch up with you soon. Great to see you on. Anjun, Mark, Nilesh, a very, very warm welcome to each and every one of you. I'm super excited to start this new show uh, really going forward, and it's going to be once every two weeks. Um, we had a lot of success over the last sort of two years, I guess, doing these live events, and uh, we've, uh, we've been very lucky and privileged to have had some fantastic uh, guests come on the show. Now, that's not going to change. Uh, while we're waiting for Malk, I can just give you a quick heads up on some of the things that are happening. As the stream team, we've evolved, we've grown, and we've become a very tight-knit family. And uh, we are now starting to create our own shows under the Red Risks Media umbrella. Red Risks Media is a 100% non-profit entity. And whatever we do on the show, it's really for the benefit of connecting, sharing, and learning. So we do hope you join us in these adventures that we've got. And please also spread the word. As I said, it is a non-profit entity. Um, we're still struggling to get Malk on the show. So if you have, thanks, Melissa. Great to be on the show back as well. And I'm looking forward to uh, hearing more about One, One Wish and all the things that happen there as well. Nilesh, great to see you. And thanks also for watching us. He says, thanks for creating a wonderful, informative uh, video for Safety Professional. We'll carry on doing that as long as we can, Nilesh, and obviously with support from yourselves and everyone out there. Um, what I'd like to do while we're waiting for Malk, and I, and I do apologize, he will be a few minutes late. I mean, these shows are 30 minutes long, but this one's going to go on a little bit longer. Um, what I'd like to ask you, uh, while I've got a captive audience, is are there any shows or any topics or any conversations that you would like to have or you'd like to particularly see? Just hit on the chat box what you think you would like to see. I'm going to put it up there and um, certainly we'll try and uh, get them on board. So Andrew says safety and fire safety is a key area for corporate risk management. Absolutely, Andrew. Um, now, I can't obviously see your profile while I'm online, but if this is an area that is very uh, uh, specific to you and you're an expert in that, why don't I just open out and say, come on the show, Andrew, let's have a, an open, candid question time discussion around that. If you're interested to be on the show as well, can I just say, please just drop me a line, just drop it on chat, on LinkedIn or whatever. Always looking for new, I don't want to say victims, always looking for new people who would love to be on the show and really um, sort of, well, share their journey with us. Tamara, lovely to see you. Uh, I've been spending quite a bit of time with Tamara on various bits and pieces, super keen to uh, get involved. Uh, and Tamara, guess what? Malk's not here yet. I, I, you may have hoovered him up for a few minutes of your time as well, but I recall that he's got the, uh, the Rosper Award today. Um, before Malk comes, I just want to sort of share my thoughts as to why I wanted Malk on the show. He's going to do his own introduction, of course. But what, the thing that I really like about Malk, and I thought it'd be very good to have him, is that he spends so much time doing things for other people, doing things not only just for L'Oreal, but outside of L'Oreal as well. He's got this one wish uh, sort of diversity and inclusion campaign going on. And he's, he's really, I don't know how he does it. It must be incredibly thinly spread. Um, but in recent discussions with Malk and what's happening in L'Oreal, and we'll talk about this in, in discussions with him, is I was super impressed as to how as a company with 90,000 employees across the planet, they've managed to take health and safety in a direction whereby it really has been quite in incredible. Um, some of you might think, well, L'Oreal, you know, health and safety, what, what are they going to be thinking about? And I, and I must admit, when you do think about L'Oreal, think about cosmetics and, and perfumery and so on. But there is a lot of, uh, well, 
let's say, risky aspects involved in the business. So Malk has taken lots of uh, things like the Bradley curve and various other bits, and he's progressed health and safety in L'Oreal to a point where you, you'd be quite impressed. It'd be very, very, uh, I can put it, a learning curve in terms of what they've done. Now, we are into six minutes into the show, no sign of Malk. So it's my first show, my inaugural show, and my guest is going to be a little bit delayed, or maybe even not turn up, so you're going to have to put up with me. Okay. Um, so um, fast forwarding a little bit about the shows. Um, we have some incredible guests lined up. In a couple of weeks, I've got James Pomeroy coming on the show. He is the head of health and safety at Lloyd's. And then after that, I've got Tristan Casey, who's at Middlesex University. He is he's very close to, ah, I'll come and chat with you. Okay, Tamara, please do. Let me, um, let me see if I can uh, <laughs> send you the link. Hold on a second. Um, sorry, folks, bear with me. You can all have a bit of a laugh here. I think it's quite quite funny that uh, my my guest hasn't turned up. So just bear with me while I uh, try try and do something a bit more interesting. Um, right, tomorrow you should have a link. Join me if you can. Okay. Um, but going back to my guest, Tristan Casey uh, spent a lot of time with Sydney Decker. Uh, and also uh, various other folks looking at uh, well, safety one, safety two. So to help out, only what do people think safety culture is? That's a cracking question. Who, who asked this? Because unfortunately, with LinkedIn, they don't always show who asked the question. So please just let me know um, who you are. Uh, right. So to help out, what do people think safety culture is? That's a great one because we have had a lot of shows over the last two years where we talked about culture. Um, we've also had things about psychological safety where we talk about culture where in the organization is not afraid to speak up so yeah what is what is uh, safety culture tamara thank you for being my rescue <laughs> can you hear me okay can you hear me there you Hello, are can you, hey can you hear me now i can hear you now hey dom dom <laughs> nice to see you uh yeah. I, I'm StreamYard bombing you. I know. Well, that's okay. We, we're now quite used to StreamYard. <laughs> you, you are my uh, my contingency here because right. Mark did tell me that he's got this uh, Rosper Award and um, he's going to be a little bit delayed. Let's take this question from Dom Cooper. He says, what do, what do people think safety culture is? Let me ask you actually, tomorrow. you've done a lot of these yourself as well. Tell us, what do you, what's your take on safety culture? Well, I'm going to be a little bit controversial here because um, I, I don't think that it's it's safety culture. I think that what we have is you have an organizational culture. So what is the culture in in the overall organization? And then you have to go down to the work site, the work groups. What are the cultures within those individual units? And Sunny, the reason I say that is because culture or what we call culture is really our behaviors and our beliefs that we do between each other in our day to day, right? So maybe you and I are in a business unit and because risk is something that's very valued to us in our DNA, we may be driving along and, you know, come to meetings and saying, oh yeah, you know, I noticed all these things on my way just into work and you're right there with me then we could go to another business unit and the two of us start talking like this and if they're not of the same value system they might come out and say wow those those safety people they're just like too much like i've even had people say that i'm too passionate about being safe right which to me from where i come from my background that's a really weird thing to say is that yeah. you're too cautious about safety of other people. What are your thoughts, Sonny? Well, it's an interesting question, and it's great to have this sort of banter in a different uh, sort of context than me interviewing our special guest. I mean, culture for me is a very strange word. I, it, it's one of those things which 
everybody has a different view on it. I mean, sometimes culture think of it as color equated or sometimes yeah. culture is gender equated. And I, and I think for me, it's just about human beings, okay? We all have to just respect each other and understand that we all are different, okay? My wife thinks I'm wacky sometimes. Well, actually, she thinks I'm wacky all of the time, right? But that doesn't mean that I come from a wacky culture. It, to, to me, it's just a human thing. Everybody is different. My daughter works in a school, for example, and she'll come home and she'll say, oh, the culture is terrible. Then another week, she'll say, the culture is brilliant, right? Culture is shifting all the time because it depends who she's spending time with. Um, oh, by the way, Simon Rosser says, yes, yes, yes. And Simon had a question before and says, uh, or a comment. So shouldn't the question be more about culture than specifically safety culture? So you see, it resonated with what you're saying. In my humble opinion, health and safety is like too many business areas and too siloed. Absolutely. If we treat safety culture as a separate entity, don't we perpetuate that silo thing? I, I couldn't agree more. What do you think, Tamara? Oh, absolutely. I think that we do, um, you know, kind of uphold that silo mentality because we're often it'll be like so what do you what are you going to do for health and safety to to help keep the work the workplace uh safe like help like it for me you know a lot when i first came to where i was working my manager said to me so what are you going to do for health and safety right because that's your your thing you look after it and i come from a social work background Right. So for me, I worked in crisis management. That was my core training. I also worked on um, providing supports and resources for people so that people are not dependent on 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 me as a social worker or even in a codependent relationship. And yeah. the interesting thing is when I first came into health and safety, I looked at it and said, wow, this is not a healthy mindset. These people don't have a healthy relationship going on, right? Like you you wouldn't go to the marketing department and expect a marketing culture, right? <laughs> they, it's just like how the people are working. And so I want to push the envelope here and bring some of my social work into health and safety and say, really, it's about looking at the group dynamics. Yeah. Every time yeah. you're engaging with a group of people, check out who is the informal leader of that group and what kind of beliefs and values are they influencing the group to believe in? Because yeah. that's the core person that you probably have to tap into to get your own um, safety vision and values respected by the group. Yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting. I mean, culture is an interesting topic because say you pick up a standard like um, ISO 45001, they have a section there about culture, okay? Pick up something like uh, CCPS's risk-based process safety framework. They have something in there about culture. Can we really put culture down in a standard in terms of achieving something? Or is it is it something that's so fluidic? I mean, more recently, you and I, we know we've been discussing things like psychological safety, right? And we've had a lot of guests in that area as well. They talk about culture as well. Uh, by the way, Jeanette says, hi, Tamara. Hi, Sonny. Okay, Caleb, Caleb says, I've heard that before. Uh, excuse me, Tamara, I'm sort of flicking backwards and forwards everywhere. Also keep an eye out for Malk to turn up as well. But talking, and, and Dom's come back with a comment, safety to go for the org, organizational culture e-track. But if we were, but if we leave safety behind, then we get the boat pals, et cetera. Caleb's come back again. I'm just bringing these in. Safety culture is defined as the way in which safety is managed in a workplace. It is a combination of beliefs, perceptions, and attitudes of employees towards the safety of workers and the overall safety of the work environment. That's a good one, isn't it? Yeah, you know, these are all great sound bites. It's great sound bites, great in a presentation, looks really nice. But at the end of the day, does it, does it really matter what we call it? Or is what's more important is that you're hearing people talk to one about one another about how can we work together to make this safer? Is it is it really these sound bites and the posters, or is what we're really about, you know, providing the resources to people so that they as adults can do what they need to do to do their job the best they can in as safest way that can. And and yeah. a very critical piece here and we've we've really gotten away from it is eliminating and mitigating the risks before it even gets to the employee 
Yeah. Right. Like yeah. that's our yeah. first line of defense. If we go back to our theories instead of always putting it on to like, well, did the employee is an employee doing it safely? My yeah. question is, did you set it up first of all, so that it's a safe environment for people yeah. to be working? Like I'll see some, some clips on LinkedIn and stuff and somebody's going, Oh, look at this person. They're sorry. Got caught in a fan. Right. And I'm thinking like, well, first of all, it's, you know, she's working where she's put, yes. right? She was been yes. put there by a line manager and said, you stand here, you work here. Okay. And she probably looked at the fan and she was probably struggling because she doesn't want her, that her headdress in a fan. Like, let's stop and think about this for a minute. So it goes back to when you're setting up a workspace, are you making sure it's safe? for when your employees come in there. Because most times the employees on the line level do not have influence, do not have power control. And they're really, you know, hoping that management will do what's really right in order to create a safe environment. So yeah. then I ask you, Sonny, whose onus is it to set up the work environment for those kind of individuals that don't have yeah. the power, right? Gosh, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm on a roll here, so I'm just going to throw this out and then I'll give it back to you is, and please don't throw at me that you have the right to refuse work. Because if you're in a marginalized worker, you know, with a supervisor that will threaten to cut your hours, if you just don't get the job done, then you're really not in the place to, to use your rights like we think people are. I'll give yeah. it back to you. Well, you know, Tamara, you've, you've stoked a whole load of conversations. You've got to dash off as well. I know that. So thanks for coming on. I'm going to ask this Sorry. conversation. No, no, this conversation has really uh, gone wild. And I'm going to, I've got lots of comms coming in. Okay. You can I'm see on the screen the link to come on live on this show. Okay. StreamYard.com forward slash 6M, whatever, whatever. Type it in on your browser. Join me. Okay. Come join Let's us. Right, join Because I've got to go in a few minutes. So, that's, so that's fine. somebody else as a guest here. Come on. Well, <laughs> we've, I've, had th I've had three or four requests saying, can I come on the show? So you've got the links to come on the show. If you can't come on the show, we'll have to end the show, okay? But um, you've got to go. Feel free, okay? Um, you've thrown some curveballs in there. Let me try and tackle some of these things. Okay. So Nilesh says, safety cultures improve only when... Yes, okay, good. Uh, tomorrow... Thank you for rescuing me for that short spell. Please do feel to feel free to drop out. Um, Caleb says, I never said that it holds more weight or not. I personally feel it's the way people are addressing risks and how the true discussions are happening between supervisors and field employees combined with what your assessments on compliance to follow safety standards. Um, then, oh, uh, this is Dom. Oh, Dom says, tomorrow is definitely a safety two advocate, which is not recognizing the interactions between situation, behavior, and expectations. You don't have enough time to take that on. Yeah, uh, Don, okay. you and I can go head to head with this. You know, <laughs> I, I don't. Uh, I don't want to put a label on safety one, safety two, etc. I'll be candid with you. I come from a social work discipline. Okay, that's where I I studied for five six years. So that's where I come and look at myself. I have an occupational health and safety education as well, layered on top of that. But really, if you're going to talk to me about my foundational beliefs and the theories that I work through, we'd have to talk about a social work foundation as well. And I'd love to, Sunny, maybe set that up someday for a Let's conversation between Dom, you and I. Yeah, let's do it. Um, okay, Dom, you're on the hook now. On that note, I'm going to have to go. Thank Thanks, you for joining Tom. me. Appreciate that. I'll catch you later in the week on a few other things. Yeah, uh -huh. have a great show. Take Bye. care. Bye for now. Um, so we've got a we've got a couple of the comments coming in. Tim, nice to hear you. Nice to see you on the show as well. All organizations have a culture and all organizations have leaders, but that does not mean that the leaders for safety are there, nor does that not mean that the organizations has a culture of safety. There are discrete skills, attributes, and competences needed to build and sustain a culture of safety. But let me ask folks out there, do you think we beat culture to death when it comes to talking about safety and safety culture? Um, maybe I'm a bit old-fashioned, you know, but I, I sort of think of culture as just 
something that's within everything that we do. We just respect people for who they are and what they do, uh, life and every job that they do. Um, uh, Caleb says, Tim Ingram, totally agree. Melissa C, I not sure what that means. Andrew, can you give the link again? Of course I can, Andrew, please join us. That's the link. Uh, while that link's up there, jump in on a browser, unless you're using Safari, you might have some problems, but if you're on a Chrome or whatever, just push that in there. And um, that last bit, 6MKW, whatever is what you need. Link StreamYard is very easy to use, by the way. I'm gonna read the comments because I don't wanna take the link down for StreamYard. Uh, I come from a scaffold as discipline. Ah, well, that's Dom. I know that's Dom. Uh, Jeanette says, uh, thank you, Tamara. Andrew McNeil, MD, did you get the link? Ah, okay. Thanks, Caleb. If you can send that, that'd be good. It would be great to hear from Malcolm. Uh, Malcolm's not on the show yet, Jeanette. He has, he's not here. <laughs> Caleb, Andrew, Andrew, Caleb says, Caleb says, uh, Caleb, no. Okay, so Andrew, if you are still on, this is the link. It's on YouTube, but I've put it on the screen here. So you can just type it in, httpsstreamyard.com forward slash. Now, if you can't join us in the next sort of five minutes, as you know, the show's only half an hour long. Uh, well, we'll have to can the show and try and catch up with Malk next week. To be honest, though, okay, Tim, join me if you can. Simon says it's become a phrase that some leaders, okay. We have someone, Andrew. How the devil are you? Talk about improvisation. <laughs> Hi. Hey, how are you? I'm all right. Yeah, how are you doing? I'm fine. Listen, I am in your debt for coming. Oh on my this. goodness! Let me just try and uh, I'm just trying to kill. There we go. Okay. There you are. Can you hear me? Okay? No. I, I tell you what's going on. I'm, I'm getting two noises at once. Let's see if. Get off LinkedIn or whatever you're on and just yeah. stay on StreamYard. You're getting uh, feedback. That's it. Right. Okay, yeah. good. I think I'm oh, back. Wait, I'm wait. Back. We're joined by someone else as well. The popularity has grown. <laughs> <laughs> Caleb's on. Andrew, uh, Caleb, meet, meet yourselves. And Tim says, happy to join you on the link if that helps. Tim, yes, of course. Let's make it a party. We all need a party now. And Andrew, bear with me while I shove this link out there one more time. So, Great. listen, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. So, um, I've been in health and safety really all my life. Started off in enforcement, um, took quite a few prosecutions, went into corporate, done consultancy, now doing my own business. Um, so, yeah, I I've, had, I've had the kind of pleasurable experience you could say really of, of building a safety culture within an organization that really didn't have one um it just had a culture of production and absolutely right. no documents on it um so um and and doing it really on a consensual basis rather than an enforcement basis so in enforcement you kind of enforce a culture but if you're working within an organization you can't just do that you can't just use the yeah. big stick you've got to work through the boardroom and maybe they start off by not really giving you much control um, and you've got to persuade and advocate and so on. So I've had, I've had that kind of experience. Where, where, where has it been the toughest for you in terms of getting culture through or understanding people getting on board with it? Is it in the construction industry or is it in the manufacturing? Where, where is it the toughest, do you think? I don't think construction is too tough because um, people work on relatively short projects. They just simply absorb the instructions that they're given and kind of work with it. I think right. where it's a very stable environment, like a manufacturing environment where the same thing has been done for many years, that can be more challenging. But I think yeah. what, what, what inspired me to come on was Tamara's good comments, I think, uh, insightful stuff. I've, I've known Tamara for quite a few years and we've had a few chats over the years and I've done some talks for their Saferpedia. Um, but this point about um, about we ought to really tune into the culture of the organization before us, before attempting to impose yeah. a culture or yeah. or put a kind of manufactured culture. So um, why don't we why don't we do that? Why don't we actually just because now we can we can give tools to every single member in an organization quite economically, mm. um, almost almost no cost, so that they can all be involved in capturing data we can analyze that data we can make any organization 
highly um, IT intelligent or highly sensitive to what's going on. Yeah. And the idea that somebody could be actually doing something dangerous but not want to say something instead of just taking a photo on their mobile phone and sending it and then somebody oh, looking at that. The, the selfies, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, well look, that's, we've been that's very... what we need to get going in an organization, yeah. I think. Sorry to cut across you there. Simon, a very, very warm welcome to you. And Tim, my good friend, a very warm welcome to you. Simon, tell us a little bit about yourself. I've worked in health and safety for 20 plus years, uh, from events and rock and roll shows through to design and engineering, uh, highways, that sort of thing, and currently working asbestos removal. So, very career. Um, and I've been looking at this desolate, the idea of safety culture and what is culture. And it's just like, it's too much, as I said, like it's, it's the siloing of things. And, you know, yeah. safety culture is that rod that is given to the health and safety team to beat you with. You've got to improve the health and safety culture. It's not the health and safety culture. It's the business culture. It's from the leaders down. It's from the guys at the on the ground level upwards. It's the holistic thing. It's right. so, there's a, a chemical phrase um, or chemical word, polyfunctional, which po is polyfunctional. All, yeah, which is all the different oh. components of a um, organism that sort of are working together to form what that chemical, what that substance does. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what we need to be looking at. And I know it's another name to hang on, like safety one, safety two, safety 496, whichever one's the buzzword at the current time. <laughs> well, look, I'm, I'm deeply in debt to all of you for joining me on the show. And Tim, of course, is our stream team colleague. So thank you, Tim, for joining as well. What we'll do is we'll do a quick intro with Tim and then let's really do question time on safety culture. Why not? OK, yeah. Tim. Quick overview on yourself. Yeah, thanks, Sonny. Uh, pleased to be part of the um, stream team as ever. So there's an unplanned opportunity to join in, which is uh, uh, great. Um, yeah, I've, I've been involved in health and safety, oh gosh, for many, many years. Had, uh, what, 13 years at the health and safety executive. Um, had many years in uh, leadership and director level roles in uh, industry and major hazards in particular. And uh, since 20, I'm just trying to remember, 2013, been running my own uh, consultancy organization. One of the things I've done a lot of research into is safety culture and safety leadership. Uh, this was driven by my experiences after post Piper Alpha, which got me into health and safety in the first place. But if you look at the, the research, the, the, the outcomes are completely driven by the quality of leadership. Rona Flynn did a mountain of research into this post Piper Alpha, and it's the quality of management, it's the quality of leadership which drives the outcomes. If that leadership understanding is not there, it will never be sustainable. You might get po pockets of excellence, but that won't be sustainable. So that, yeah. that's my tip. That, so unless the leaders of an organization get it, understand it, and are authentic about it, it's not sustainable. But there are discrete skills which are required to do that. So um, that, that's where I come from. That's, that's how I take these things forward. Well, you know, sorry, Tim, I was going to say we are joined by the great Dom Cooper, uh, who is going to take us in all sorts of areas, I would think. <laughs> Dom, very oh, nice to see you, Dom. How are you? Can you hear us? Sorry, okay? I've got to disappear to a meeting, but it's been great to have a chat. Maybe we can Thank you, catch up another time. Take care, folks. Yes, let's do that. Yes. Thanks, yes. For, thanks for bye -bye. saving me. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> so... Dom, can you hear us okay? <laughs> Dom, we're having a conversation about safety, uh, safety culture, okay? And the show is called Questions. I'm fine, Sonny. Um, I'm getting a lot of feedback from various quarters. Are you, are, you, are, you on LinkedIn? are you on LinkedIn at the same time? You need to come off that. Oh, there you go. Oh, wow, that's helpful. <laughs> <laughs> Streamyard does not like you doing other things at the same time. All right. Clearly Look, not. Let, let, let's let's go into question time. Improvisation, safety, culture. Okay. 
Don, give us your take on safety culture. Safety culture is really interesting. Now, most of you, well, some of you will know, some most of you probably won't. I've been researching safety culture for over 30 years since I was at um, UMIST. And um, all of the stuff I see these days about organisational culture reminds me of what we were looking at in 1991. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and part of the problem of looking at safety culture or looking at organisational culture one, when you look at how you define it, how you measure it, they're all identical problems that you find in the safety culture arena itself. Um, but then we got Bhopal, then we got the Piper Alpha and all the rest of it, and everyone was focusing on organisational culture and left safety behind. No one gave a toss. And you think, okay, right, fine. Um, sorry, guys, I'm, I'm, no, I'm supposed to be uh, kind of educated. I'm a scaffolder by trade. Okay, I'm a soldier before I was a scaffolder, so I'm just a damn... Uh, si si Simon will be pleased to hear that, won't you, Simon? Oh, yeah. It's, you yeah. get some very interesting <laughs> sights with scaffolders. Yeah, very much so. Um, and I was a scaffolder in the days that you didn't wear PPE. They didn't even, hadn't even invented it, you know? You just <laughs> scaffolding. You just relied on yourself. So, but anyway, so you've got the organisational culture literature. You leave safety off of that. You get Bhopal, you get Piper Alpha, you get Bunsfield, you get Clapham, you get all of these disasters. So then when you start looking at it, and I looked at culture or safety culture from a tradesman's point of view, I said, how can we make this real? So then it came across Bandura's work of reciprocal determinism. It says there's an interaction between what people do, what people think, and the situation they're in or the environment they're in doing those things. Okay, and there's an interaction between the three, and I see all this stuff today about safety too and all that. And I'm going, what's the matter with you guys? Can't you read? It says reciprocal. There's a relationship between the three. Yeah, it's not one. It's not behaviour. It's not just situation as tomorrow would say it, because that's their political bag of the day. It's all three together. Okay, and. You know, we can be really negative about it and we can be really positive about it. There's a girl called Michelle Galfand who's ah. been looking at this stuff on tight and loose cultures. What a very insightful young lady she is. Brilliant stuff. University of Maryland, absolutely brilliant. Really got a lot of this under control. But even she makes the point. It's expectations. What's your social norms? What's your behavioural norms? What's your standards? What is it you expect to see within the working environment? You put those expectations together. Now you've got safety culture. Et voila. Merci, monsieur. Don, if I may. Um, sorry, Simon, go ahead. Go ahead. Where does the, the, the psychological contract enter? Where you've got the expectations of Joe Bloggs coming to work starts a new job and he sees the vision and he sees the aims and how the the company that he's working for say they're going to behave and he has a psychological contract with the employer and it's based on the expectations he has when that psychological contract is broken it's not written down it's what he perceives what he believes and then there's the breakdown something goes wrong where does that then leave his belief Ooh. and his understanding and his oh. faith in the company and their expectations of him acting safely? Mm. His expectations are set by the first guy he ever meets in that company when he goes on the shop floor. Okay? So aren't, they, aren't, they, he, aren't, they, aren't they more aimed aren't they in the literature, in the documentation? Yeah, what, not no, necessarily in the he, shop. He hasn't even seen those. He yes, just you see that when you, look, when you look at the company. When you, go, when you apply to the company. Yeah, Simon, please, if you let me answer. He's walked on site. He's got his contract. He's waving his thing. He's got some money coming in at the end of the week if he's lucky, or maybe at the end of the month if he's even luckier. But he's getting some money from somewhere. He walks in, he goes up to the work group, and he says to the guys, hey, guys, I'm the new guy. And they look at him and say, well, where are you, you, and where are you from? So you tell them. And they'll say, oh, that sounds interesting. And then they'll go, right, okay, we've got this to do and that to do. They'll either do it safely or they'll do it unsafely. If it's done unsafely and your man stands there and says, wait, Noddy, 
you don't do it this way, you're not supposed to, and they'll say, who are you, the new bloke? Sod off. And he'll say, all right, bye-bye, I'm gone. It's psychological contract isn't set by HR in some office, in some distant building, HQ. It's set in that work group. That's where the psychological contract comes. And I know that from working on the tools, and I suspect you do too. But no, can I, can I, sorry, go on, sorry. I was just going to say, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna really go into this in detail. I just want to say Mark Houghton's uh, chimed in as well. Mark is my future guest, and he's got some really interesting views on this. So, Mark, if you are still watching this, there's the link for StreamYard. You just type that in and join us, okay, because I think your take is also very interesting. Um, so rather than put Mark comment, Simon, go ahead. We're going we're gonna to carve up another 20 minutes in this, and I'm conscious Tim hasn't said anything yet. So, Tim, do you want to chime in with anything before we go back to Simon? <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I, I think um, uh, just um, picking up where Dom has left off, I think that the, there's a line of leadership which comes from your immediate leader, but that, again, that your supervisor has a lead, uh, someone who supervises managers there. It comes all the way from the top, and it has to be all the way down, and it has to be visible to that person at the work site. Mm -hmm. So they will do what they see is that or their boss says is important or they perceive their boss to be saying to be important so there has to be an authenticity about what is said so you can say all the right words but the second you start not be um, um acting those words out and doing something contrary to that you you lose all of that level of trust so so rapidly mm -hmm. So it has to it has to come from the the deep seated values of the organisation, and they can only come from the top. Mm. Yeah. Wow, Simon, did I interrupt you from saying something as well? No, it's, I was just going to say that it's you see companies taglines, you know, yeah. safety is our number one priority. Yeah, uh, that's CBS. Yeah. It's complete and utter. Yeah. CBS, but yeah. it, that is that is what I'm saying forms the psychological contract. If you've got somebody starting with a company, not necessarily on the tools, but in an office, in wherever in that in that business's environment, there is this psychological contract that they believe the company will actually do what they say they're doing. They're going to do. Can I can I ask you something? What, what, if I may, what psychological contract? Describe that a bit more. Does it have substance? Is it, is no. it tangible? What is it? No, it's not. It's it's in the head of the person that's starting to work. It's it's expectations. It's what they're led to believe will be provided. So yeah, we'll give you PPE when you start. Oh, but we haven't got your size. So do you mind wearing this triple XL one? Or if you're a female, we'll give you some small men's ones. Hmm. It's hmm. not taking into account the individual, but the individual has the expectations that they will be treated as an individual with belief, with their own, um, with their values respected, and what they expect is formed by those values. So it's, it's when something goes wrong that's when the psychological contract, which is right. in the head of the individual, is broken. Right, Dom. Yeah, I was just going to say the the safety of the number is the number one priority. Um, was embedded in the psyche of the British EHS profession by Lord Cullen after the Piper disaster, a Piper Alpha disaster, and that. And I, I personally don't agree with it. I've got a different take on it, but I can understand why it's there. Okay. And if these people at the top are espousing that value and doing their damnedest, because don't forget these people at the top are doing what they can too. They despair. They're the ones who get the phone calls to say, sorry, we killed someone else this week. And I've seen them, okay? Mm. So mm. they're all doing what they can also. Personally, I'm a great believer and advocate of um, safe production is our number one priority. And if we mm. push that message throughout the profession and the entire profession, safe production, we've got to work, we've got to produce guys, but we've got to do it safely. What's the best way of doing that? That's the way forward. That's yeah. the safety culture that we really want. That's the ideal one. Well, it'd be interesting to see what Tim's take on this because Tim was involved with the Piper Alpha uh, yeah. sort of uh, go, go ahead, Tim. 
Yeah, just to clarify, my, my link to Piper Alpha was actually witnessing the damn thing explode. I was oh, on a boat very close by uh, after the May Day had gone out. We got involved with a search and rescue, and we were there within 45 minutes. So we saw the gas risers explode. That was the thing that got me into uh, health and safety. That got me into joining the health and safety executive. But it uh, it does come back to um, you know the decisions that are made at the top of an organization. It is the values. So if those values aren't firstly expressed, and you, you actually see them, but if they aren't lived values, then people... Don't you know if they don't see? Oh, I don't have a voice. Or oh, if something goes wrong, there's there's blame there. If those components aren't there consistently, the degree of trust will just wane and wane and wane. But if they are there, it's so much more beneficial. And there's a wealth of um, uh, research that's been undertaken which shows the the strong links between um, good safety and good business. But, you know, look at, um, you know, I'm, I'm, no, I was, I was going to give an example away, but I'm doing a presentation on that next week, so I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> don't give anything away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there are so many links, and it all comes down to business efficiency and effectiveness. And it, it's effect, you know, it just uh, comes in on the back of what Dom was saying. Bring the two together. Look at simplicity. Look at um, uh doing things in an efficient way but in a safe way and that mm. that is all it really needs to be but that the the underlying message needs to be one of trust which you've uh, talked on as uh, talked about as well um sonny mm. that uh, the psychological safety psychological safety i mean look this is one of these shows which started off in a certain way and it's ended up in a different direction which i'm really <laughs> really pleased about in some ways because you rescued me from the fire pit um but I, I feel that we've opened up a pandora's box in many respects and we have to revisit it sometime in the future I, what i'd like to do is i i don't like going away from conversations i'd like it to initiate further conversations and and you know Dom, I love these conversations with you and, and Tim. We talk about these things all the time. Simon, you're relatively new to us on the screen. But my view on this is, and I, this is why I love question time, is we're going to start conversations in an area where we may need to create another show. Okay, And I think we should. I think we should come back together and create a show just about safety culture and really burn it in terms of trying to ask all those tough questions. I have some hard questions. Uh, some of them aren't politically correct, okay? I, 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 I can't ask them because it wouldn't be right. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd be blasted, I think. Oh, here we go. Look, uh, can we revisit? Absolutely, Mark. We're going to revisit that in your session. But let me ask you, put safety culture to one side. Let me ask you about these shows. I need your help, all right? Question time is about asking the questions that you've always wanted to ask, but maybe a little bit afraid, maybe a little bit embarrassed and all those things. What we've done today has been incredible for me because, firstly, Simon showed up, uh, Andrew showed up, uh, Tim I know, and Dom I know. Do you think then that we should do these shows in such a way where we share the links and then people can actually join us? What's your, what's your views? That, are we, should we create a culture like that? Simon, you're new. I just grabbed the opportunity because it suddenly presented itself. <laughs> it was totally unexpected. I was just thinking, oh, I'll come and listen to Malcolm. Being somebody I'm connected with on LinkedIn should be interesting. He's I'm sorry to disappoint you. He's only little old me. <laughs> and then I ended up on the screen. Um, and Dom, I've seen a lot of your work and a lot of things over the years and with great respect and so on. This, um, Thank you. We, I'm sure every single one of us will, will not be able to find that we agree on everything. That's the thing about health and safety, about life in general. Mm. And it's, it's, but it's great to have this opportunity. I think when I joined, when I logged into um, this StreamYard, uh, it said you can have up to 10 people. Yeah, that's right. So if this takes off, we're going to have to log in at two o'clock just to have two minutes at <laughs> three, sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> but please do more of this. This is, this is yeah. great. I'm learning so much i'm i'm so pleased because the connect share learn piece you've certainly connected with us you certainly shared and certainly learned so that's good i'm pleased about that we can actually go to zoom or something and make it like a webinar but they're they're s-h-i-t-e to be honest with you um 
Dom, always good to see you, of course. Uh, you're doing something for the um, EHS conference, aren't you? Yeah, in Berlin in November. Uh, would you believe, for some strange reason, they got me on stage discussing the distinctions between, oh, safety one and safety two. Oh. <laughs> um, you, you, make sure, you make sure you don't let rip, okay? You, you just... Well, um, hold on. Um, it's, from the IOSH magazine article last year, and it upset a lot of people with it, IOSH, and upset a lot of people around the world. And to be quite ca candid, I don't really care. I'm kind of more interested in um, is it going to save a life? Because all of these different things, if it doesn't save a life, throw it away. And I've been saying that for so long, you know. And when you do the research on it, we actually find out that safety to comes down to ideas literally all there are are propositions and ideas there's no new methods there's no new ways of doing things everything's just a rehash of the old stuff the ideas are interesting and i can hear them threaded through some of what simon's saying and what tomorrow was saying and so on um, but for me it's the application where's the evidence and there is none and when you look at the stats of the companies that you know have been doing this they're all plateaued or they're all getting worse. So for me, I'm sorry, it doesn't work. If it did, I would be one of its greatest advocates. But no one can show it works. Yeah, I, I, I think um, that you're going to have some interesting debates in that um, session. Um, what we're going to do is just let's just have some closing thoughts because, believe it or not, we've cranked up 48 minutes here. So, huh. Tim... Just some thoughts from you, and then we'll do a quick round robin yeah. as well. Yeah, I, th I think there's actually a lot more common ground than there is uh, uh, in terms of not common ground. <laughs> 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 Sorry, uh, I understood you. No, no, I, I know, I know. Um, I, I think there's, there's a, uh, there was some potentially key differences about you know whether there's such a thing as safety culture. I, I'm a strong advocate of the fact that there is because it requires specific skills and competencies to deliver it and sustain it. You can have you can have a good leader, but that does not mean that that leader is a good safety leader. Yeah. Therefore, there's um, a direction. Well, you know, I'm just doing a quick message here because someone is trying to get on. And uh, as you said, Simon, we've got 10 limits and so on. Um, I, I'm absolutely, how can I put it, enlightened on something because of what's happened today. And I think what I'll do for the next show, if the guests are agreeable, is to put the link out to folks out there saying, do join us, right? This is the link, and we can take up to 10 people. Because question time is not just about me asking the questions. It should also be about you know your interactions as well. Um, and we'll put, should we put safety culture into the bag sometime in the future? And we'll get Andrew and Simon and Dom uh, coming on the show. Um, managing 10 on, on the live feed is going to be fun, by the way. But we'll, tr we'll, try, and do, we'll try, and <laughs> try and do what we can. Right. Closing thoughts. Simon, I'm very happy you've joined us. Closing thoughts from you. There's got to be this common ground that Tim said. And that's the bit we need to concentrate on. When we can agree on that and sort that out, then we can look into the 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 add-ons, the, the the nice to haves. But at the moment, I think even though there's common ground, it's there's people coming at it from too many different angles, and there's too many little groups fighting their own battles as to whether it's called this, called that, that of this approach, that approach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, too too much bickering, I think. Yeah. Competition. Um, let's go to Tim. I'm going in the order that you guys came on. Tim, your closing thoughts, please. Uh, right. Yeah. No, I, I I agree with Simon. It would it, be a powerful thing to do, indeed, if we were able to establish a, a wealth of common ground. I I think the more we we focus on that, that that would actually be very helpful. I think it would be a much easier thing to do than we would perhaps anticipate. Absolutely. And Dom, closing thoughts. Oh, I agree with Tom. I'm just going to repeat that. But what I would say, is there a way of capturing this common ground? Because um, we can discuss it till the cows come home, but if we can't capture it, 
yeah. and distill it down into something useful, then it's about as much use as an Ashtray yeah. on a motorbike. Yeah, mm. yeah. I, I think I think ground is okay, but I'm not sure about common because everyone will be so different and varied in their views. And you'll have some groundwork that A will sit on, and Tribe B will sit on, and Tribe C will sit on. I think um, there is actually a lot of agreement already on safety culture stuff, and I've looked at it over the 30 years, and it certainly is coming down into some mm. distilled. There's there's obviously one group who says it doesn't exist. Um, and then there's the other group that says that it does. But if you look at the characteristics, picking up on Tim's point of the, the skills of the leadership in making all of those things happen, I think that's where the real value of this, instead of worrying about definitions and hot air, I think yeah. to get down to the concrete pieces of it and lay it out for what it is and say, well, how would you deal with it? So safety communications being one piece, you know, safety competencies being another piece, safety leadership, lessons learned. Get down to the real mm. parts of it that together make that whole. And yeah. I would say that a lot of this is all, all the safety culture is underpinned by the risk assessment um, process. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, can I please ask you all to stay on once we go off air? Um, don't, don't do anything on your screen because I, I want to ask you some questions as well. But I just want to say, number one, thank you for rescuing me. <laughs> uh, number two, for initiating a discussion in areas which are very interesting. And number three, actually enlightening me as to how to take the show into a certain direction because I never thought that we could do this where we start a question time show and expand it for others to join as well. So I want to thank Andrew, Simon, Tim, Dom, Caleb, everybody who's been putting their uh, sort of uh, feedback on this as well. But please stay on. I'm going to play the outro <laughs> section out. Don't do anything at your end. And then we will just catch up and have some uh, closing thoughts. But everybody out there, please, you know how the show is going to go in the future now. So don't, Do you? <laughs> don't be bashful. Don't be timid. Get on the box and say what you want to say. Otherwise, just be a, an observer and a passenger and not be a driver, okay? So stay tuned. Uh, be safe. Catch, with, catch up with you all soon. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Bye for now.